Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Barker, for always those those great introductions. I really enjoy hearing a voice that you can't go 24 hours in America without hearing the voice. I'm so lucky to have him to uh, do my announcing for me. Hey, listen, this this title, we're going to come at you really fast. We're going to come at you really hard today. It's a tough subject, but for some people, it's a subject that needs to be talked about. Well, welcome, by the way, you've reached Sundays with Dr. Sean. We're here at the Stabley's in Newark, Delaware. We're loving uh, this. We've had great food. Uh, there's there's treats here. There's all kinds of treats. There's a stew. There's pizza. There's uh, Old Bay flavored cheese curls or cheese puffs. And there's some macaroni salad and uh, and fried chicken. You know, we come with some yacht bird and some good healthy water. So. If you come here at 5 o'clock, if you're in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, this is the place to be of great food. And it won't be long. It gets a little chilly. We're going to have a fire in the back, won't we, Mr. Stabley? No. no. Oh, we pray. We pray. The men in the room roast and the women in the room pile a bunch of coats on. We about, we about die. But we'll make it through. We'll make it through. So today's uh, message is going to be a little bit difficult for a lot of people to hear. By the way, Switzerland was last listening last uh, Sunday night. It's a real honor to have Switzerland, uh, uh, several people there, banded together. And I still haven't heard back from them how they heard about this uh, message, but somehow that it did. How many listen to Wednesday's uh, radio show? Well, it's on archive, commercial free. We, we went a little nuts on Wednesday, so it's worth listening to, they tell me. Uh, but uh, this this Wednesday, who in the world knows what's going to happen this Wednesday, but something big probably will happen. You never know. Uh, <clears throat> all that said to say this, that one thing a lot of people fear, one thing a lot of people are nervous about, one thing a lot of people uh, ruminate on is dying. It's a subject that everyone uh, is, generally speaking, afraid to talk about. By the way, we want to all right, five by five. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Our sound is five by five. Us military folk know what that is, don't we? Good to have you, Alaska. Glad glad to have Alaska listening in. Soon we'll have uh, upstate New York and, and all other kind of places on chat. Chat is open, so we're glad to glad to have you listen in. By the way, remember my blog, uh, drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. 
All you have to do is go in there. There will be a little thing. If you're on there more than 30 seconds, there will be a little thing pops up. Put your name, your email address in. You'll get all kinds of updates. We won't spam you. It's real simple and easy. You'll just be on my mailing list, and I'll send you special stuff. Uh, we also have some free ebooks on there that I did. You're welcome to look at. God bless you. And, uh, and share with your friends. Share that with your friends. Follow me at The Ninja Pastor on Twitter. Twitter. So one of the things people ask me via email and the contact me section of the ninjapastor.com is about dying. They ask me all the time. I don't know why. Now, we have a physician in the home. We have several people here that have had cancer. We have several people here in the room that have had surgery or multiple surgeries uh, for cancer. We've had some that have been in terrible car crashes. We've had some that have been uh, that are, are chronically ill, uh, serious illness. So we have people in the room that know what that's about. <clears throat> you know what that's about. But one of the things that uh, has become apparent to me is that I must talk a lot about dying because that's the number one question. Don't ever let me figure out how to use some technology uh, because then I'll start using it and abusing it. But I found out how I can uh, search the comments that come in on the show for topic. So once I did that, I searched it, and about 80% is about dying. People want to know about dying. Um, you know, they also want to know, do I have some sort of armed protection because the stuff I say apparently is inflammatory. I don't know why. Sad day when truth is inflammatory, isn't it? Yeah, I will die, and I'm going to talk about that today. So apparently I talk about dying more than I realize. Folks seem to be struck by my statements. By the way, uh, I just want to interrupt myself to interrupt myself. I wrote this message in about, I guess, 20 or 30 minutes uh, last week. I was sitting there, and I was looking at some beautiful artwork and uh, just exquisite things, and I thought, you know, hmm. And I'd been thinking about this, and I thought, and many of you know I have a, a very, very sick sibling. Uh, is in the hospital, been in the hospital, had two major surgeries, and not doing well. And, and uh, you know, certainly we, you know, we continue to pray for him. We've got a dear friend here that's um, got to come up with a serious health issue. And so dying is, is really in the back of the mind of all of us, unless we're weird, um, which I am weird, but still dying is in the back of my mind. Why? Because I've been close to death many, many times. Uh, in, in unique ways. I, let's just say I didn't preserve myself very well. I did some crazy things early on in life and in the middle part of my life. And then some things were no fault of my own, you know, car crash, different things like that. But 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 the thing that people comment more than anything about uh, is, welcome, uh, by the way, to Upstate New York. We're glad to have you. Um, one of the things they, they comment about, they say, you don't seem like you're afraid of dying. Why are you not afraid of dying? I had this conversation with my mother several weeks ago, and she commented that she was afraid of, you know, not of dying, but she's 86 years old, uh, not of dying, but she was, a, she, she was a little bit concerned about how it would happen. You know, we all want to go in our sleep. So that got me to thinking. So over the years of preaching and speaking all across this great country, I've spoken of the several times in which the veil was ever so close to me, the veil being life and death, that very thin, that very thin veil. And I've been there uh, many, many times and, and really, really super close. And apparently in the crash, the two firemen came up. We just we didn't learn this that long ago, came up and, and took my vitals and turned out they both said, no, he's gone. One of them I watched grow up from, oh, gosh, I, I met him no more than a day old, hour or a day old. I can't remember which lived across the street from me. Watched him grow up. He's a fireman, professional fireman at the nuclear plant now. 
And uh, so he's the first one to me. And then he had his other fireman come up and verify, yeah, there's no, no sign of life there. Four and a half minutes later, I don't know what happened. I can't tell you what happened. But four and a half minutes later, uh, a lady flipped out. I remember hearing her flip out and saying, he's alive. He's alive. This guy's alive. And she said some salty things, too, in between, I, for emphasis, I'm sure. And then all of a sudden they started working on me, but I was right at the edge. And I might have crossed into, I must have, I might have pressed against that. I can't say that I did or didn't. I, the only bright light I saw was of the airbag exploding in my face. And uh, then I hit the, hit the steering wheel hard enough to bend it with my mouth. And so uh, apparently I was real close to that. So the veil of life and death, the here and now and the there and eternity. I've been at that, slipping the surly bonds of this earth into the millions of bright lights of heaven, released from the earthly pain and sorrow, and welcomed into the presence of Heavenly Father, once and for all eternity. Man, that is something special. Most of the time, folks, they're worried about how it's going to happen. Remember, I just mentioned about my mom, my dear mom, great faith in God. She's got great faith in God. She doesn't have a doubt in the world. She's, she has lived her faith every day of her 86 years here on the planet. She's never had a doubt. She said, Father, do you have me? No, she's never said that. She's never feared that. Father, did you hear me when I prayed? I said, I really need you. She's never worried about that. Father, things are bleak right now. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that maybe you aren't listening. Father, did you, did you hear me? No, never, not one day in her life, no matter how tough things were. And she had some tough times too in her life. You know, uh, it's tough to watch your kids die. Last year, we last March, we buried my 52-year-old brother, uh, Dean. And many of you were there at the funeral. And I actually preached his funeral. Um, 52 years old. You know, you don't think that's going to happen. That really devastated my mother. And so, as I said, we had, that, we had that conversation in her living room about she was more concerned with how she would die. Most people want to pass away in their sleep, and that's understandable. I totally understand that. It is the vision of a death with no pain, no dramatic exit, no wrenching sorrow, no clawing at the door of life and death. It's just peaceful. And you know, peaceful is a word that folks want to describe the death of their loved ones. How did he go? Well, he went peacefully. How did she go? How did Grandma go? How did Papaw go? Peacefully. How did Papaw go? He went peacefully. You know, I, I have a friend of mine. He is... a uh, he is actually, um, his, uh, his son uh, was killed in a car accident, young, very young. Wasn't driving a car, I don't think, two or three years. Was killed in a car accident, goofing off, thought he, thought he was a better driver than he was, and, and, he, and he died. And that was the first question he asked me. He said, hey, can you, this happened several years ago, he said, hey, can you go with me and talk to the police officer? I... Uh, I just need to know some things. I said, you want to know, did he feel any pain? And now I know police officers are taught if they felt pain, if it was terrible wrenching type of ordeal, don't say that. There's no point in it. There's no help. There's no help that comes. But you know when a trooper or a police officer looks at you in the eyes and says, no, there was no pain. It was, it was very fast. It was very fast. Now, you know if you lie. I always disagree with this level of training. Uh, this part of training in, in law enforcement all across the country, they, they teach the same thing. I always disagree with it because I say, hey, as soon as they get the autopsy report, guess what they're going to learn? They're going to learn how long they lived and, and what their injuries were and what the, what, the, uh, what the cause of death is. And, of course, they're going to get that. If there's an autopsy, that's what's going to happen. So then they question, well, does anybody tell me the truth? If the police don't tell me the truth, who will? 
So I disagree with that, but I think there needs to be a better way of, of explaining it. So he said, will you go with me and tell me? Now, I was on the police department a very short period of time before I handled my first fatal accident. And I'm going to tell you it was a terrible, terrible event. Uh, a young man, problem with alcohol. He, uh, he was not that old a guy. His fiance was seven months pregnant. Uh, he was, uh, had just finished serving his sentence for his third DUI. Uh, he was on a conditional license. He had to go uh, only certain places. He could go to work. He could go to the grocery. He could purchase uh, you know, foodstuffs, things like that, necessary things, and he could go to church. Those places at home. That's the only place he was allowed to go. But you know what? He went to work. And he, you know, he was getting used to being back at work, making a little bit of money after being locked up for a little while. And uh, so he had just had his motorcycle souped up, paid a little bit of money, had a friend. Him and his buddy, they got off work early. Got off work early. They both worked in a factory. They got off work early, and they said, hey, why don't we stop by this bar real quick on the way home? Just one, real quick one. And he said, aren't you supposed to be, uh, is it off the wagon or on the wagon? Are you on the wagon or off the wagon? Which, which is good? Off the off is bad. And he says, aren't you, aren't you, you don't want to go off the wagon, do you? And he goes, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. A couple hours later, they were still sitting in the, in the bar, pounding them back one after the other, celebrating he got his motorcycle all fixed up. Then in the wee hours, uh, or not early hours, uh, late hours of the evening, there was someone who testified not far from where uh, our good friends, uh, Karen and Darren live, said, you know, I could have sworn I saw sparks go across the road. I don't know what it was. One road came out this way, and then it teed into another road. Then there was an embankment and a field. They said, man, I could swear I saw sparks. I got out of my car, and I looked around. I don't know what it was, you know, UFO or something. That's what it was called in that. I looked down, and I said, you know, that looks like oil. Looks like oil on the ground. And I reached down, and I, you know, felt it, smelled it, felt like oil, smelled like oil. I said, uh-oh, we got a problem here. And so finally, some people had stopped. They saw my lights, and they were looking around, and they said, oh, it looks like something hit right there. And I said, okay, you stay over here. Don't, don't go over anywhere. And so I go up, and I look, and, and sure enough, out in the field, about a 100 feet from the edge of the road, was a motorcycle all mangled up. And we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we didn't, we didn't find anybody. So I thought, there's no way somebody survived this. Nobody survived this. We didn't know what kind of impact we were looking at, but we know for sure nobody's going to survive that kind of crash because you knew how fast that motorcycle had to be going to slide across the road, hit that embankment, and go up in the air and land 100 feet into the field. So we searched and searched, and I called, and I you know, got the experienced traffic people there. And, uh, and so the traffic people came, and we started retracing everything because they're experts in Newcastle County fatal accident team, unbelievable folks. They... Um, they came up and they said, hey, you know what, I don't think we're going to find anything good here, but let's just take a look down in this ravine. You see the road curved a little bit to the left before it teed into another road. There was a guardrail. So we walked over to the guardrail. We looked at the guardrail and we saw scrapes where the metal, the metal had been scraped off, fresh scrapes. We looked and there were trees that were two inches thick that were cut like they were cut with a saw. We kept looking. Now, this is the wee hours of the morning now. We kept looking, we kept looking, we kept looking. Now, finally, we climbed over the guardrail. We, it was real precarious. Climbed over, we looked, and sure enough, there was a body of a young man 
literally his head almost severed off his body. No blood at all. He didn't bleed at all. He died instantly. There were, there was, it was impossible, they tell me, for him to have, based on the injuries, for him to have felt even a moment of pain. As drunk as he was, they did his blood alcohol. They said he probably didn't even know he was crashing. So my first fatal accident was also my first death notification as a police officer. So I went to the door, knocked on the door of the very small house, little little three-bedroom house, one-and-a-half bath. Nobody likes to get that knock at 2.33 o'clock in the morning. Nobody does. Nobody likes to get that. So finally, an older lady comes to the door, and she says, sir, can I help you? And I said, ma'am, um, do you know so-and-so? And I said the name. And she said, yes, I do. He's my son. I said, okay. I said, do you mind if we come in for just a minute? So we went in there, and she said, can I give you a cup of coffee? Can I make a pot of coffee for you, some tea for you officers? And I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. We won't be long. And I said, is there anybody else here at home with you? And she says, yes, my husband's in there sawing the logs, and and uh, and, and my son's fiance is in there sleeping. She's seven months pregnant. Oh, you sunk a dagger right into my heart when she said that. I said, man, oh, man. Okay. I said, would you mind waking them up, coming here with you? She says, sure, sure. This doesn't sound good. And so she came. This is a very humble home, you know, clean, clean as a whistle, but very small. And a lot of people living in a very small space. So they all came in. They sat down. They all shook my hand. I thought it was interesting. They were very respectful people. They shook my hand and they said, officer, what's wrong? Now, I'm of the belief, uh, I'm a firm believer that you just need to come out with it. Come out with it. Just just say it. So I said it like this. This is my first time. I said, folks, I have some very bad news for you. Your son, your son, your fiancé, and grandma was there too, by the way. I said, unfortunately, he was involved in a motorcycle crash this evening, and he did not survive his injuries. He is dead. Just like that. Didn't take any longer than that. Some folks would say that's harsh. Some folks would say. Some folks want to use the word pass away or he passed on or something like that. But, you know, you don't want to be vague at a time like that. You want to be, you want to really, 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 you really, really want to be brief and to the point. So, of course, they were stunned. And the, the young girl, young, I mean, these people are young. The young girl says, I'm seven months pregnant with his baby. What in the world am I going to do now? Mom and dad both looked at me. You could see tears just streaming down both of their faces. And what do you think the first question that came out of their mouths were? How did he go? Did he suffer? Did he go peacefully? Anytime we describe the death of our loved ones, Unless we know otherwise, unless we're wondering what the answer is, we plant that seed in the back of our mind subconsciously. We want to hear the words peacefully. My brother Dean, when he passed away, the trooper said he had no idea he was dying. He said, the way we found him, there's there's no way in the world he knew he was dying. He was alive one second, dead the next. Did he go peacefully? But you see, when we hear about people we love and we say to ourselves, how did they go? We ask ourselves, how did they go? We ask the authorities, how did they go? Did they go peacefully? We in the back of our mind are saying to ourselves, wow, 
I hope I go peacefully. I don't want to go fighting in Cuomo. Let's talk about what peace, peaceful means. It's an adjective, free from disturbance, tranquil. Everything was so quiet and peaceful in the early morning. It's not involving war or violence. A soldier was shot and seriously wounded, an otherwise peaceful demonstration. Inclined to avoid conflict, not aggressive. Dad was a peaceful, law-abiding citizen. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is the weird part of the message tonight. I'm not always so inclined to the peaceful end. I'm not always so inclined to the peaceful, air quotes, peaceful, in my finale, however I go out. And maybe this sounds odd to you because of the manner in which I describe my passing. And I don't necessarily, I just don't necessarily want to go quietly and peacefully in the dark of the night. I don't necessarily want to go to sleep and not wake up. I know that sounds strange to some. I mean, I'll take it if that's what's chosen for me. Because you know what? I don't, I don't choose my time. Heavenly Father does. But in many respects, I want to go to my undeserved, my so much undeserved reward, fighting for the innocent. I want to go to heaven with claw marks, you know, having fought for people that don't have anybody to fight for them, fighting for freedom and liberty, the innocent. I want to go standing tall for something important. I want to die for something important as much as I want to live for something far greater. I am indeed not afraid of dying. When I say that to you, you hear some people say, well, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of dying. I hear this from gangbangers a lot. When I was a police officer, you know, they would get in a bad way, and you'd see a lot of gangbangers crying. They were tough as anything 10 seconds ago. But now all of a sudden their life is at risk. They're crying. There's one exception to that. I would say 99% of the time is in Islam. Islam is a cult of death. It's not a cult of life. It's not, they don't worship life, they worship death. And so for them, there's not a moment where they doubt. They, they're eager to go. And as violent as they can go, the better is their reward for them. I'm here to tell you, they have no reward. But would you like to know why I live without fear of death? I assure you, at no cost or obligation to you, it isn't because I have some incomparable level of courage or fearlessness or stupidity. I don't fear death because, and this is, these are the answers. Now, remember a bunch of weeks ago, I was on this seven kick. Guess what? We're back on. I'm, I'm on the wagon, off the wagon, off the wagon. I'm off the wagon. Number one, because I know Yeshua the Messiah died for my sins, but he didn't stay dead. Oh, he died for my sins. The number one reason why I'm not afraid. Number one of seven, if you're counting. Yeshua the Messiah died for my sins, but he didn't stay dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, well, I'll start at 2 just for fun. And by which you are being saved, provided you keep holding fast to the message I proclaimed to you. For if you don't, your trust will have been in vain. For among the first things I passed on to you was what I also received, namely this. The Messiah died for our sins in accordance with what the Tanakh says. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with what the Tanakh said. And he was seen by Katha or Peter, then by the twelve, and afterwards he was seen by more than 500 brothers at one time, the majority of whom at the time of this writing were still alive, though some had died. Later he was seen by Yaakov and by all the emissaries, and last of all, he was seen by 
me even though I was born at the right time. You see, I know this. I know this. Yeshua the Messiah. I'm not afraid. I don't have to fear death. Yeshua the Messiah died for my sins, but he didn't stay dead. Scripture tells us that and assures us of that, and I believe it. Number two, if you're counting, number two of seven, given me eternal life. You see, I've been given eternal life. John 3, everyone likes to quote John 3.16, but I like this passage, starting in 31. These are the complete Jewish Bible I'm quoting from. He who comes from above is above all. He who is from earth is from the earth and talks from an earthly point of view. He who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies about what he has actually seen and heard. Yet no one accepts what he says. Whoever does accept what he says puts his seal on the fact that God is true. Because the one whom God sent speaks God's words. For God does not give him the spirit in limited degree. The Father loves the Son and has put everything in his hands. Whoever, now when you hear whoever, hear me, Sean Greener, the ninja pastor, trust in the Son. Whoever trusts in the Son has eternal life. But whoever disobeys the Son will not see that life but remain subject to God's wrath, and God's wrath is death. But see, I trust. I could take that whoever put, put my name in it. I trust in the Son, and therefore I have eternal life. Why? Because I've been promised that, and God never once has broken a promise. God has made me beautiful, if you're counting three of seven. God has made me beautiful in the Listen here. None of you have ever looked and said, you know, that Sean is beautiful. He's beautiful. That's a beautiful, beautiful man. He's so beautiful. They never have done that. Thought of me as beautiful in any way, but let's go to the scripture for more. Ephesians 1. We'll start at verse 3. Praised be Adonai, Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who in the Messiah has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Man, that is a big promise, folks. That's a big deal. When you live defeated, you live in fear, no matter how much the situation looks. Read this verse, because if you're one of the people that believes this and lives this, guess what? Praised be Adonai, Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who the Messiah has blessed us with every, who is the us, every spiritual blessing in heaven. If you will believe in these things, you not only don't have to fear death, but guess what? You have every spiritual blessing in heaven. Man, what could be better than that? There's nothing this earth can offer. Well, now in verse 4, in the Messiah, he chose us in love before the creation of the universe to be holy and without defect in his presence. He determined in advance that through Yeshua the Messiah, we would be his sons in keeping with his pleasure and purpose so that we would bring him praise commensurate with the glory of the grace he gave us through the beloved one in union with him. Through the shedding of his blood, we are set free. Our sins are forgiven. This accords with the wealth of the grace. He has lavished on us. In all his wisdom and insight, he has made known to us by his secret plan, which by his own will he designed beforehand in connection with the Messiah and will put into effect time is ripe. His plan to place everything in heaven and on earth under the Messiah's headship. Also, in union with him, we were given an inheritance, 
we who were picked in advance according to the purpose of the one who effects everything in keeping with the decision of his will, so that we who earlier had put our hope in the Messiah would bring him praise commensurate with his glory. That's number three. How about number four? We said it was of seven. So this is number four of seven. Made me suitable. I don't fear death. I'm not afraid. Because he, he made me suitable for the inheritance of the saints in light. You know what? There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing you could do. Everybody in this room is a way better person than me. I guarantee, I'll guarantee it. I'll guarantee it. That's what we used to say. But I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing anyone in this room, not even the best person you know, the best person you know, there's nothing that can do to make heaven. There's nothing that could make them suitable for the inheritance of the saints of light. There's nothing I could do, nothing you could do, except for the blood of Jesus. Yeshua the Messiah. Colossians 1, we'll start at 11, just for fun, complete Jewish Bible. We pray that you will be continually strengthened with all the power that comes from his glorious might, so that you will be able to persevere and be patient in any situation joyfully. Man, who's joyful here? (coughs) How many of us have had some real tough, and I'm talking real tough situations arise in our lives where we said, you know what, there's no way in this world I can be joyful right now. I can't be joyful. Everything's falling apart in my life. Maybe I lost my job. Maybe marriage broke up. Maybe, uh, you know, there's, there's alcoholism or addiction in the family and it's breaking everything up. Maybe there's secret things, hearts, habits, and hangups that are just digging into you. Maybe, maybe everything has challenged you in your life. And you say, man, I can't be joyful about anything. Well, guess what? That's because you're living in the wrong power. We pray that you will be continually strengthened with all the power that comes from his glorious might. can't get it from the world. You can't get it from the news. You can't get it from the grocery. You can't get it from the gambling facility. You can't get it from there. You have to get it from him. All the power that comes from his glorious might so that you will be able to persevere and be patient in any situation. How many of us in here are patient? See, you, most of you are like, man, I wish you'd ask that question sooner. Right? You know, they don't, ain't no, hardly nobody is patient nowadays. Right, you have microwave ovens, you have convection super duper radiance ovens, and all this stuff cooks in one third the time, and we're still rushing the thing. We get mad at traffic, why? Because it slows us down. That and people are stupid. They don't read. They don't look. Look, you know, read the laws. Know what you're supposed to do on the road. Good lands. That makes me crazy. Especially post crash, it makes me crazy. But most of us are like, look, I got somewhere to be. It would help if we didn't start ten minutes late, wouldn't it? We'd be a little more patient if we weren't ten minutes late when we started. We want magic to happen. But verse 12 goes on to say, giving thanks to the Father for having made you fit to share in the inheritance. Oh, my lands, folks. Fit to share in the inheritance of his people in the light. Man, how in the world could things get better than that? You're fit to, you're fit to share in the greatest inheritance of all mankind, of all time, of all history. You are fit to share. He has seen fit to take you and say, you know what I'm going to do for you if you believe, if you accept, if you live as though. I'm going to make you a shareholder. And that stock only goes up, folks. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. It is through his son that we have redemption. That is, our sins have been forgiven. Man, for some of you, that's not that big of a deal. You don't sin very much. But for me, all my stuff, I tell you what, that's a big gift, folks. 
He is, vis- he is the visible image of the invisible God. He is supreme over all creation because in connection with him were created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, lordships, rulers, or authorities, they have all been created through him and for him. He exists before all things, and he holds everything together. This is what I know about God. He doesn't let anything go. He says, I'm going to take you in my hands, and there's nothing that can grab you away. There's nothing that can take you away. So much so, I've kept my promises through all of time, because I created time. I will continue to keep my promises, so much so that I'm going to make you fit to share in the inheritance. I didn't do a thing for it. Inheritance, we don't do anything for it. And guess what? Father doesn't have to die. Heavenly Father doesn't have to die. Most of us who have gotten inheritance, somebody's got to die. You don't get inheritance without it. Prodigal son, he darn near killed his dad, didn't he? He wanted his inheritance early. And then he was slopping with pigs. Came running back to dad. Came running back to dad. Some bad thing's got to happen, but guess what? The bad thing has already happened. But you know what? Prior verses told us he, Jesus went into the grave. He was murdered on a cross. He went into the grave, but he didn't stay there. He took the horrible upon him so that one day we never have to experience sorrow, pain, fear, or question ever again. I don't know that there's anything better ever in all of time, in all of place, than to not have a fear, a worry. Man, there's a lot of folks right now all across the world listening to this message. And you are wondering, man, can I just without fear? Can I just can I just close my eyes for just a minute without fear? There's going to come a day, oh, glorious day, when there's no more fear. You see, number five of seven, if you count, begotten unto an incorruptible inheritance. I'll repeat a little bit here because I'm not sure you got it the first time. First Peter 1, we'll start in verse 3. Praised be God, Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who in keeping with his great mercy has caused us, not through anything we did, through the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah from the dead, to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that cannot decay, spoil, fade, kept safe for you in heaven. Listen, folks, we can look around the world, we can say, hey, I'm going to put my, uh, I'm going to put my, um, if someone says, send me a question here, first question would be, did the worthless drunk hurt anyone else in his crash? No, he was, he was all by himself, but he hurt a lot of people, didn't he? That, that drunk fellow I told you about, the young man on the motorcycle, boy, he hurt a lot of folks. He immediately orphaned a child, seven months, seven months along, two months from being born. Did he hurt anybody? Yeah, he hurt a whole lot of people. Only himself. Here's the funny thing. I guess funny is the wrong word to use. Here's the ironic thing. His buddy that he went drinking with, guess what? His buddy was riding down the road. They are riding together, and they are both really, really drunk. And the fellow that just got his motorcycle all souped up, guess what he did? He said, I'm going to see what this thing will do. And he got on it. Now, when we tracked that fellow down and yanked him out of his bed, once we figured out who he was, then we wouldn't know what happened. He didn't remember. He said, we left out of there, and he said he was gone, and I didn't see him. Did you think to look for him? Did you think maybe call some help? Well, I don't know. You know, I just thought he was riding faster than me. So I figured I'd go home. Oh, I would have loved to arrest him for DUI. How about that inheritance, folks? 
Who caused us? How do we get this inheritance? Heavenly Father, through the sacrifice of the Son, through the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah from the dead to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that cannot decay, spoil, or fade. Man, how many things, how many folks in here have ever invested in stocks? If you've if you worked at a company, you have a 401k or a 403b or whatever, you invest in stocks. I see a lot of people that worked at companies say, well, I don't invest in stocks. If you work at a company and you have a pension plan, guess what? You invest in stocks. You can hate on oil companies all you want. Guess what? One of the biggest stocks, biggest things in pension plans are oil companies. Now, are you mad at them for making money? Government is. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at the oil company. Be mad at the government because 55 cents to 58 cents of every dollar they take from them, and they don't do a thing for it. But your pension's full up with all those kind of things. But you didn't get it from that. that. That could go to zero. Stocks could go to zero. Bonds could go to zero. Your favorite stock or bond, you've been watching it for years, it could go to zero, could be worth nothing, could go out of business. One day things are great. Next day they're non-existent. Next day they're non-existent. That's why I love gold so much. Gold is the original money. I love it. I absolutely love it. It makes sense to me. But you know what? Even gold, even gold, if it gets set fire and put into the sand, runs away, runs into the water, cools and goes, runs, I don't. that's gone. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. Maybe I like nice furniture. You know, uh, I was talking to my buddy Jerry about uh, furniture, or about the Amish ways and the Anabaptists and all this. They're known for making great furniture. I've got a couple of pieces that are made handmade by the Amish folks. They're amazing. They're wonderful. But guess what? One day they'll rot. Wait long enough, it'll rot. It'll be gone. I may love it. You didn't know me. No, I love I love weapons. I love archery. I love handguns and rifles and all that stuff. I've always been into that kind of thing. I really love it. And I take good care of my stuff. Nobody can say I don't. No matter how good a care, I take care of my stuff. That pickup truck out there, although Mr. Stavey would dispute, is probably worth putting in a junk heap already because it's the wrong brand, he'd say. I take good care of that truck. Keep it clean. Keep good oil there. Keep it maintenance just right. One day, it's going to give up the ghost. It's going to say, <coughs> and that'll be that. And it won't be worth anything. Just some scrap. Do I really want to put my faith in something like that? It can decay. It can rust. It can spoil. It can fade. No, but this inheritance, the scripture's talking about here, this inheritance, it'll never decay, it'll never spoil, it will never fade. It will never fade. Goes on, Pastor goes on to say, Meanwhile, through trusting, ooh, that's a tough one. Meanwhile, through trusting, mm, I don't know. You have just put a caveat in front of me. I'm not sure I can do it. Things I can't see. Things are going wrong enough. I don't know that I can trust. I don't know. I don't see the answer around the corner. Through trusting. Man, I wish you hadn't put that up front. I wish you'd have procrastinated. This is the one time I'd be patient. Put that somewhere else where I'd be done reading by then. No, it's right up front. Meanwhile, through trusting, you are being protected by God's power for deliverance, ready to be revealed at the last time. Listen, don't miss that word. You are being, through trust, you are being. As you trust, you are being protected by God's power. Rejoice in this, even though for a little while you may have to experience grief in various trials. You know, I didn't enjoy standing at the foot of my 52-year-old brother's casket and delivering a message, looking out and seeing his children, great, great kids that he had, looking out and seeing his four children and his grandchildren, looking out and seeing his mother. I didn't like that at all. Seeing my other siblings. I didn't like it. All the friends that came. 
I didn't like it one bit. I didn't like it. It was grief. It was powerful grief. And you know what? I don't like going to my other brother's, one of my other brother's hospital bed and looking in on him and seeing what kind of shape he's in. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it one bit. I don't like it when good friends of mine, I have a, a friend of mine whose son was in a terrible car crash and the son and the girlfriend were in a horrible car crash and he's up in one of these rehabilitation centers and he's in bad shape. It's been months. It's been months and things aren't looking good. But Mom is believing. Mom is believing. Her faith is unshakable. Some of us, no matter how faithful we are, we're going to experience grief in various trials. Life is a contact sport. Call my radio show, thanks to Jerry, The Collision of Faith and Politics. Living, living in itself is a contact sport. It is a collision. If you believe a certain way, guess what? If you hold to those beliefs, even if you are so right, you're going to collide with some folks. If you're a believer in what I've just read tonight, you believe Scripture, you say, look, I believe in it. I'm, I am not for any moment going to doubt in that. If you're like my mom, never once did she doubt the Father. Never once. But she had sorrow. She had various trials, and some of them were terrible. No matter how good life is for most of us, there comes a trial. No matter how strong our faith is, there comes a trial. And, and that, for many people, is the reason why they say, hey, you know what? I don't know if I can believe in God. Because you know what? Any God that would allow this to happen, any God that would allow suffering to happen to an innocent child, my goodness. That's no God I want to. That's, that's not my God, right? We recreate God in our own image. We think that there isn't going to be suffering. Scripture right here tells us. We're going to experience. Rejoice in this even though for a little while, even though for a little while in various trials. You know, I tell you what, what's the what's the lady who's handicapped? She does a lot of, uh, I can't think of her. She's done prolific writer, Johnny Erickson Tata. Have you ever listened to her testimony? My goodness, have you ever listened to that woman talk? Have you ever watched her? Man, you get joy all over you. Even what you watch it on television, you see her talk. She used to be on uh, Billy Graham an awful lot. And you see this woman talk, and she's in a wheelchair, can't move her arm, can't move She has been this way for a long time. And you can't help but to get her joy all over you. You can't help it. You watch it, you think, my Lance, how's that woman live so happy? She says all of us are going to experience some trials for a little while. The Bible tells us that. But I can rejoice because I know one day. I'll be made whole and perfect. My Uncle Kerry at his funeral, one thing that really got me, my Uncle Kerry, uh, my mom uh, and her siblings, youngest youngest sibling, Uncle Kerry, wonderful man, 72 years old, just lived, you cut through the woods right there, he's not far. Uncle Kerry believed in a way that was just so simple. His faith in God was so simple. He, he, it didn't have to be complicated for him. He would teach the Bible in these community Bible studies. I think that's what they're called. And community Bible studies. And it, they, people say, wow, I love that. When Mr. Covington, when he teaches, well, I love it. He makes it so simple. It's because his belief is simple. God said it. I believe it. Good enough for me. He'll set the world right one day. Well, you know what? Since he was young, I mean a teenager, initially he was bound. I didn't know this until his funeral. He was bound to a wheelchair. 
and then and then he taught himself how to use a walker and they said man i don't want to use a walker i can't get where i want to go so then he trained himself on crutches and he used crutches he lived as long as i knew him he lived in a two-story home and the way he got up to his bedroom every night of his life was he crawled never put a stair left never put an elevator none of that he crawled he worked a full-time job as a security guard first security guard First handicapped security guard DuPont company ever hired. He went in for his interview and they said, Mr. Covington, I don't want to point out the obvious and clearly you know, but how are you going to be a security guard? He goes, watch me. You hire me and watch me. I'll be your most dependable guy. You have cars, don't you? You have trucks, don't you? You watch and see. Almost 30 years. Didn't miss a day. He was much beloved, and he was good at his job. But the thing everybody says about Uncle Kerry was what? Always smiling, wasn't he? He was always laughing. He was always up to something. He was ornery, but he was joyful. And you say, man, what gives you so much joy? He goes, look around. Look what I got. I got kids that love me. I got grandkids that love me. I got friends. Look at all these. We have these gatherings. They're not just coming for the food. They're coming to see me, and they're coming to see all y'all. What in the world could I be unhappy about? Look at this joy I have, but you can't walk. Oh, I can walk. I see it every day. I walk every day. I don't need to walk right here right now. There'll be a day when I need crutches. I'll run. I'll jump for joy. At the funeral, his crutches, they were laying up against the table at the front of the church next to a picture of his. Joyful. Live your joy now. Don't mess around. Listen, don't mess around and climb into a bunch of sorrow and stay in a bunch of sorrow and lamenting so that you miss whatever life you have now. God gave you that life to live now. No matter how bad your body's failing you, no matter how sorrowful you can be, no matter how bad stuff you see around you, live joyful now. Because guess what? There may be somebody that sees you and says, that old Christian, he's either crazy or right, or both. And they come up to you and they knock your door and they say, hey, listen, I see how hard things are for you. How in the world can you be smiling all the time? Look at what you have to go through. Let me sit down with you for a minute. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Best track you ever had was your life. But even gold is tested, uh, Scripture goes on to tell us here, even gold is tested for genuineness by fire. The purpose of these trials is so that your trust, genuineness, genuineness, come on, your genuineness, your trust, genuineness. Man, we could challenge that, can't we? We could challenge that. How many people, you know, man, I don't believe what you say. I talked to somebody the other day said, you know, I have not, I've never believed a thing anybody ever told me. I refuse. I refuse to believe. I refuse to be a sucker. People lie. And they said, you know what? I lie. I know everybody else does too. I don't believe anybody when they tell me they love me. I don't believe anybody to tell me I think I'm good looking or pretty. I don't believe anybody when they say that. I don't believe anybody when they say they're going to do what they're going to do. I just am pleasantly surprised when they do. But I don't believe it until they do. That's a, that's a hard way to go through life. So that your trust genuineness. We go through the fire so that we trust. It's easy to have faith in God when everything is smooth and good. It's so easy. 
Everything's flown. We got lots of money. Got lots of time. Our health is great. Man, it's easy. Peace, o cake. Let a little fire come along and test our faith, which is far more valuable than perishable gold. We'll be judged worthy of praise. Our trust genuineness will be more precious than perishable gold. We'll be judged worthy of praise, glory and honor at the revealing of Yeshua the Messiah. Here's six. We're almost out of time. Kept by the power of God for it. Here we go. We're back in the first Peter. To an inheritance that cannot decay. Spoiler faith. Kept safe for you in heaven. Meanwhile, through trusting, through trusting, through trusting, you are being. You are being protected. Through trusting, you are being. That's where your protection is coming from, folks. I said it twice for a reason. You are being protected by God's power through trust for a deliverance ready to be revealed at the last time. From what? For what? An inheritance that cannot spoil or fade or decay. We've got whole societies around us decaying. I would say our own. In the United States of America, for you folks that are listening to us around the world, I have people that listen to this broadcast from Germany, Switzerland, Belgium, France, Afghanistan, all kind of places, and their society is decaying. But boy, the last great hope, right? The last great hope, America, decaying, falling away. Here's number seven. I promised you seven, and here it is. Christ has will. This is why I'm not afraid of death, folks. I have no fear of death. How long can they hurt me? How long can they torture me? They'll go on forever. I'll frustrate a lot of folks. I will frustrate a lot of folks before I close my eyes at the last. There'll be a whole lot of frustration. You torture me? Good luck. Good luck. Do your worst. Because my reward is coming. My reward is coming. No matter how much pain, no matter how much sorrow, doesn't matter. My reward is coming. Because God left it in his last will and testament through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. He left it through his son. He created a document, his last will and testament, that I will enjoy the glory of it. He said, it's in my will. You're in my will, son, and I'm not going to disinherit you. You're in my will because you keep trusting. I'm not going to disinherit you. There's nothing in the world that's going to come along that's going to take you out of my will. Man, that's a will to be in, isn't it? Come on, that's a glory to God moment. That's an amen moment. There is nothing in the world that can come and take you out of the Father's last will and testament. Praise God for all glory in heaven. He said it. I believe it. And it's done. John 17. I pray not only for these, but also for those who will trust in me because of their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are united with me and I with you. I pray that they may be united with us so that the world may believe you sent me. He said, there it is. It's his last will and testament. He said that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are united with me and I with you. I pray that they may be united with us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them so that they may be one, just as we are one. I united with them and you with me so that They may be completely one, and the world thus realize that you sent me, and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. Ready for this? Here's verse 24. Come on, if this is not a glory to God moment. Father, this is Yeshua speaking to the Father. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, 
so that they may see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's his last will and testament. Folks, it can't be undone. I don't care what kind of fancy lawyer tricks are running around the United States of America in whatever court, whatever trial. There's no probate court in the world can, can, can tear the veil of this last will and testament. They can't challenge it. Good luck. They have challenged the last will and testament of Yeshua Hamashiach, God the Father, Adonai Elohim. For all of time, they've said, no, no, can't be true. Remember what I told you? What did I tell you in the beginning? He appeared to me. And then he appeared to so-and-so. And then he appeared to so-and-so. And then he appeared to 500 brethren. Man, if that isn't enough. Look around you. Somebody said, well, yeah, but look at the hurricanes. Look at the sick people missing sorrow of the world. Had that not original sin, had that not happened, we would be rejoicing in Eden right now. We would be rejoicing in the garden with the Father. Says Bible says he walked with them. They heard his voice. They talked with him. He had conversation with them as he walked with them. They didn't have one need, not one need. But when that fall happened, the enemy crept in and said, hey, you know what? He Did he really say, he really say that? I'm not sure he said that. And what did they do? They stopped trusting even for a moment. They stopped trusting. Don't stop trusting. I've given you seven things, seven things tonight. Seven things. What are they? The seventh one that Christ, this is why I'm not afraid of dying, folks. No matter how it happens, I'm not afraid. You do what you want to do. This is me. Christ has willed it in his last will and testament that I will enjoy the glory of it. I'm kept by the power of God for my inheritance. What an inheritance that is. I'm begotten unto an incorruptible inheritance. Nobody is going to corrupt my inheritance. Made me suitable. He made me suitable, folks, for the inheritance. I couldn't do it myself. He did that. If you're counting, that's four. God has made me beautiful. I know that's a struggle for a lot of people that are here looking at me, but maybe the radio people, you'd think, well, maybe he is. I don't know. Reality of it is I'm not, but one day I will be. He's given me eternal life. He said he would do it. He said he would do it. He said, if you trust in me, if you trust in me, because he who comes from above is above all. There you look around the world. You look around the world and see all the struggle and strife and sorrow and people lying to your face. People telling you stuff that isn't true. We got politicians left, right, and center telling us stuff isn't true. We got people on one side messing with people's microphones at debates so you can't hear what they're saying. The liars. They're straight up liars. And there's people on both sides of the aisle that are going to lie. Listen, do not put your faith in a politician. Do not put your faith in a politician because God is above all. We can put our faith in him. We can put our faith in him. Number two, if you're counting, giving me eternal life. Look, somebody gives you eternal life. It's Look, you think, well, do I want eternal life like this? My mom and I were talking. How long does she want to live? She says, I'm ready. Any moment he wants to take me, I'm fine. Any moment, I'm fine. Go ahead, Lord. Even so, come quickly. You know why? Because her body is frail. You know why? Because in the natural, her the weight of her little tiny body is is heavy. She's having to breathe this manufactured oxygen. She's depending on someone bringing oxygen to her house so that she can breathe. She's got to schlep a bunch of stuff and a, a tank with her and hoses and all this mess it, just to go somewhere. She said, this is no kind of life. Taking a mountain of pills every day just to stay alive. That's no kind of life. When we speak of eternal life, folks, I'm going to tell you this. When we speak of eternal life, we're not talking about that kind of eternal life. We're talking about our inheritance. We're talking about the beautiful life in all eternity. Number one reason is because I know Yeshua the Messiah died for my sins. Why does it all 
stick? Why is it all real? Why is there any credibility at all? Because he didn't stay dead. Heavenly Father didn't stay dead. That grave is empty. It was a borrowed tomb. Why? You don't need a mortgage on some place. You're only going to be three days. You don't need more time. You don't need more time. You don't need more time. Left is always telling us. Left is always telling us. What do we need? We need more time and more money. Our stuff will work if we have more time and more money. I get so tired of hearing that. I get so tired of hearing I can't tell you how tired I am of hearing. We need more time and we need more money. Our eternal life is coming. And the reason why is the tomb is empty. God bless you. Join me on Wednesday. Thank you for joining me today.